The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello, happy Saturday. Welcome back into the Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week podcast. I'm host and audio producer of the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, Stephen Serta. Big game on tap on Sunday afternoon between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Cincinnati Bengals, so we've got plenty to get you caught up on. We'll open things up with the Arrowhead Pride editor show. They discuss their marinated takeaways from the Chiefs' win over the Los Angeles Rams. After that, it's out of structure, discussing the Chiefs' veteran practice squad additions earlier this week. Then we'll get into the Great British Chiefs show. They've got our first full Bengals preview of the week. After that, we'll take a quick timeout. When we get back, we'll catch up with Chiefs Coast to Coast. They discuss the Bengals game as well as the Chiefs being flexed out of Sunday night football in week 14. After that, we'll finish things up with Show and BK discussing what the Chiefs need to do to win the football game when they have the ball on Sunday. That's all coming up on today's Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show, you know what the music means. Time for our world-famous marinated takeaways, which we love to deliver to you each and every week. John, in the review before, they had mentioned the marinated takeaways. People always are just are just waiting for these bad boys, and that means that a lot of people will be listening especially closely to your first marinated takeaway from this 26-10 victory over the L.A. Rams. What do you got for us? No pressure, right? Yeah. No, 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 not at all. Yeah, no. Uh, you've already mentioned uh, part of this: uh, the the red zone dri- the red zone drives uh, being below par uh, during Sunday's game, and and we have a very nice article about that that Ron Comp uh, wrote on the site uh, over uh, last night, and uh, we published this morning. And um, I would just like to point out that you're not only right about the last drive where the chiefs were just chewing up time because once they did that, they could kick a field goal and, and easily win the game and actually exceed the the point spread. But I think it's possible that they weren't too worried about scoring a touchdown in the drive before that. Uh, there were six minutes left in the game when they get down there to the, to the red zone Um and they were leading by 10 points already. Um, I think that in the Chiefs' minds, they were thinking, okay, well, if we get the touchdown, great, but a field goal will go a long way to ensuring a victory here. So I think that that was true for two, at least one, possibly two of the six red zone attempts 
uh, during Sunday's game. Yeah, that actually checks out. And and we have seen before where the Chiefs numbers suffer even defensively when they have a game at hand because it's a lot of prevent and playing what's mm-hmm. in front of you and keeping yeah. the clock rolling. And I think that play plays into it. And I think that's a fair point. I I just I do need to see. And I'm not going to belabor this point, but I do need to see the Chiefs play better in the red zone. Sure. Yeah. Next week. Yeah. I feel like if they don't convert on five, regardless of the situation, five trips to the red zone. I don't know if you're going to beat the Cincinnati Bengals, especially now that they are getting chased back to pair with Higgins, who Higgins has really shown, I think, during this stretch that he is a, as talented as a number one receiver that that Chase can even have, and which is impressive for them to have that that tandem there. Anyway, um, yeah, I would agree with you. I think there, there's a reason for everything. You can't just look at stats. That's why you got to dig into the game. My first marinated takeaway is on, on Ronald Jones, and I thought Ronald Jones was pretty good. We didn't see a ton from him, right? So he ended up having the the four rushing attempts for 12 yards, but he did take that ball in the flat and take it 22 yards up the field. And he, like like his, his rookie starter here in, in Isaiah Pacheco, I thought was running really hard. Andy Reid agreed. He felt like... Rojo had like a lot of energy commented on his, his good, strong runs and he appreciated the 22 yard gain. And what I'd say is I, I, you know, it was a tough break for Jones who in the middle of the season wanted to be released. He just wanted to, to play essentially. And this is why the Chiefs said no. And I, I think that that's worth remembering. And when you sign a contract, you sign a contract, right? So you, that's, that's what's tough. But if you stay the course, football you're always going to have injuries unfortunately for Clyde it it feels like he has injuries every single year and the Chiefs were smart not to grant Rojo his release because not a huge impact on yesterday's game but you could see why they're going to need him at least in sure yeah stretch of foreseeable future and the way that they had been talking about the Clyde injury it it doesn't seem like it's going to be this four-week thing it felt more like six weeks it's minimum four weeks because of the IR but it felt like more in the six-week range. They they had commented that it didn't really look that good for Clyde. So they're going to really need right. Rojo. I, I like that they're giving Pacheco 20 carries. I've, I've made that point in this segment on this show before. But that's why they kept him on the roster and didn't release him. And because he's got to be active now. And he's got to play some type of role for the Chiefs when they need to give Pacheco a blow. Well, now I have to scratch off uh, one of my marinated takeaways and replace it with another one in response to yours. <laughs> well, uh, and and I I just think it's funny, um, and I and I don't mean to push back on your narrative here that Rojo played a good game. Uh, certainly, the twenty-two yard reception was was impressive, and he did run hard. I'll I'll give you that. Uh, he looked like he was more like Pacheco. What we've liked about Pacheco that he runs angry. And we we don't always see that from Clyde Edwards or Lair. But what I find interesting about this is that if we were talking about Edwards Lair mm-hmm. having a game where he had three carries and a, a pass for 22 yards and his three carries went for 12 yards, we'd be saying, well, geez, this guy can't produce. You know, I mean, it's funny to me how our expectations figure into how we interpret what we see on the field. Right. You know, and that's how I, I mean, that 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 is exactly how I use PFF. I use PFF when it supports my point. When it doesn't, I say that's PFF. <laughs> I don't know why we're trusting that anyway. Yeah. Well, I think it's unfortunate that the first round pick has 
gone so much into the narratives about Edward Zelaire all along. And that's not his fault, you know, and and I I personally don't buy into that positional value argument as much as a lot of people do. I think GMs go and get the player that's available to them that they really want, no matter where they are in the draft. And if it happens to be the first round, you're going to take the guy that you want. If it's a running back or a a punt returner or whatever, you know, if the guy that you, that you really need, you're going to get him when he's available to you. And uh, so I don't really necessarily buy into that, but I understand the point of view that people have about it. And I think it's really fouled up our, interpretations of what we've seen from Edward Zillair. I think that whole thing does go back to the the draft and it does go back to the running backs that were selected in the second round. And I, I think it does go back to the idea in a, in a reverse world where the chiefs take Willie Gay in the first round, which they could have, which yeah. probably mm-hmm. would have been better because then they would have a fifth year option on Willie Gay right. and Clyde is the second rounder. I think the whole thing is a little bit different. Sure. And Willie Absolutely. Gay, I think you can make yeah. a case has, lived up to what would be a first rounder whereas because you can get so many running backs in the second round and beyond Clyde has been under the microscope I also think some of that hype was team generated so again that also is not Clyde's fault that was team team generated hype that was out there where he was going to be this elite type of back and just it was seemingly impossible expectations to live up to especially when and unfortunately this is a label that you have to put on him now he's an injury prone back sure he, he yeah, gets injured right. every year so it's just tough to overcome all of that and i i don't know how how fair that is to the back i i don't you know i don't believe it is because i don't think he he generated any of that stuff but right lo and behold right. ronald jones is in the mix now and you could see that he's going to play a role and that's why the the chiefs ended up keeping him around all right john i'll go back to you for your next marinated takeaway yeah, I'd really like to rant about Dave Tobe, but I don't think I'm going to. I, you know, I, <laughs> I, I, right. I've, 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 I've expended a lot of energy over the years defending the man, and I still would, I still do. Uh, I think people get themselves worked up about him unnecessarily, but I'm just going to leave that. It for sounds like, day. from what I can hear, it sounds like Willie's upset about Dave Tobe. As he well. is, That's he is upset dog. about Dave Tobe, and I've had a conversation with him about it this morning, and he didn't listen to me at all. <laughs> I don't know what the deal is with that, but I just want to go back uh, to what you mentioned about uh, Trent McDuffie before, which is sort of Tobe related. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you were talking about how McDuffie isn't the right guy to re- to return punts. And I think Dave Tobe agrees with you. Right. Uh, this isn't so much an, an, an marinated takeaway about the game as it is about a marinated takeaway of what Tobe said last week, which is that McDuffie is already on the punt team as a cornerback. Mm-hmm. And in order for the team to use him as a punt returner, then they have to find somebody else to use to play as the cornerback on the punt team. And right. uh, Tobe clearly does not want to do that. So his, you know, the whole conversation about whether McDuffie was a potential returner for punts came from a reporter's question. It wasn't that Tobe volunteered his name. He answered a question about it, said, oh, yeah, you know, yeah, we've thought about him. And then he remembered, oh, yeah, but he's yeah. a cornerback. We have just, to replace him. <laughs> I wanted to just make clear that I do not want to see McDuffie in a we need to tackle this player situation right right like, sure yeah i don't know that's all i was saying I, i'm with you in the sometimes things get lost because sure yeah when you look at it on twitter and i don't blame fans for this because you everyone's busy doing their own 
day jobs and so on. So you're only seeing the quote. What you're you're right. What you didn't realize was, I believe a reporter said, "What about Trent McDuffie?" And right. Then he right. was discussing it, and then Tope takes the heat, but no one really understands that that is something that was asked directly of him. Which and Steve, I I know you're thinking back this or about this back there. That's why you got to listen to from the podium, right? Right, Steve. Right. Like that's why why that's why Steve is putting up these raw press conferences so you can you can dig into these things. So from the podium, right here on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. But I'm with you. I think Dave Tobe is is getting a little bit of of too much heat and blame, and I still maintain and and would agree that while that is fair, he does deserve the benefit of the doubt for so many years of success. Right, and I think the Chiefs will get through this. I think next year is going to be a lot better. There was a lot of turnover in the special teams unit from last year to this year, and I think you're seeing some of the results of that. And and the Chiefs are really trying to to figure this thing out. I also think there's a certain amount of randomness in yeah. special teams performance. I mean, you look at if you look at the whole if if you use the special teams DVOA as your metric to measure this. And I'm not a, there's, there's some reasons why I'm not a fan of DVOA, but I am in special teams because what they do is kind of abstract. You know, the whole point of special teams is to improve your field position. That's the first job. And Mm -hmm. then, you know, scoring points on field goals and kicking off, you know, all those things are kind of secondary to that. The main job is field position and DVOA does a good job of measuring that. So yeah, for special teams, I really like that metric. And the Chiefs, with the exception of, I think, uh, three seasons, including this one, have been top 10 in DVOA every year under Dave Tobe. And they've yeah. won a couple of times, have been second or third a couple of times. I mean, if you go and look at it, there's no team that's been more successful at special teams during the, to- the time that Tobe has been here than the Chiefs. There just isn't one. And uh, if you look at the the whole thing, the whole job of special teams. So I agree with you. I think people get upset over the obvious mistakes like, you know, muffed punts and, you know, fair catches that weren't made and, uh, you know, blocking in the back penalties, which actually are called on every team's special teams unit. People yeah. get upset. And I think it, I think they don't give him enough credit for what's happened so far in his career here. Yeah, no, and I do think there is something too. Obviously, Tony and Hardman being out, you know, I don't think they wanted more to be back there, but he is kind of that third guy in line. You can make the argument that maybe he shouldn't even be in the depth chart anymore after the the first two muff punts and kind of his struggles already. But, you know, there is something to say, hey, you know, we're going to give you this next chance. You know, we we still believe in you. And, hey, if, you know, the, the saying is fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice. You know, it, what happens with the third time? I mean, we, I, I don't think he's getting back is, is the point. But, no, I want to dig into the special teams failures further because it does just seem like it's been a prevailing theme this season. And it's something that we did come into the season kind of maybe expecting. We all, I think the, you know, we all kind of understood how many special teams turnover, how much special teams turnover there was, not a kicker and punter, but every other position pretty much, right? Even the returners, you know, the main parts of the, 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 you know, the uh, covering kicks and, and obviously blocking for returns. And so, you know, I, I guess we can look at right now where the special teams DVOA is at. You know, right now they're about 14th, 15th in the league. Last year they were third. And so this is a, just a way to kind of measure how effective you are on special teams. And so they were last year in third. 2020 they were 17th, and that was the only other time 
besides this year that they've been outside the top nine in the Dave Tobe era of the NFL. Always had one of the best special teams units, but I don't know. It, it, that's where I just, I really want to, you know, I, I, I don't really think it's necessarily a Dave Tobe thing. I think, you know, he could do better, but I think we have a lot of new faces, but I don't know, Stags, are you going far enough to say it's, it's, it's definitely on Tobe and that they need to think about, you know, getting another guy in here. Cause I actually am not, I'm not really there yet, honestly, to be honest with you. No, I mean, I'm not going to lose any sleep if Tobe gets a different job next year and the Chiefs yeah. find a new special needs That's coach. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. That's fine. You know, that's he, we've been thinking that was going to happen for a few years now, back when he was a hot name on the head coaching circuit, uh, or at least on the interview circuit. You, you've ago. been thinking that he's going to be gone for a while. And and so, yeah, when that day comes, you know, wish him well. That's That's perfectly fine. Am I calling for his head at this point? Does he need to be fired? No. And, and I think, you you know, the, the point is not to be taken too lightly that this is a really young group of players he's working with and players that haven't necessarily done it very much in their careers. Uh, even, you know, if you use Sky Moore as an example, Sky Moore was not a punt returner in college necessarily. Uh, and they bring him in and, and stick him in that role. I think there's probably a lot of these guys that on the return team, the blockers, the uh, and you know your gunners on the on the kicking team that maybe they didn't do this before, and so there's some of the decision making that snap decision making. Isaiah Pacheco had a a dumb decision was that last week uh, yeah. when he fielded a, a a kickoff that that would have been at the forty because uh, it was headed out of bounds. He he managed to corral it inbounds and to make sure that they were pinned inside the ten. You know, those types of decisions, those snap decisions, those little nuances in the rule book, that's why they have Chris Lamonds on the team. That's why they have Marcus Kemp on the team. Yep. Those are guys that know those little details and they have enough experience that in that moment they know exactly what to do without having to stop and think about it. You know, they people pointed out this week that Lamonds, Lamonds, whoever was uh, – <laughs> He, he knows, you know, exactly where to put himself in between, uh, you know, the, the, the fair catch and the, and the goal line. Like, he, just all the little things uh, that play a couple weeks ago that everybody was freaking out about because uh, the defense or the, uh, the kicking team had, had already touched the ball. Uh, and then uh, he went and ended up in the, in the end zone for a touchback, right? So there was – that was a play where he knew the rules better, better than most of the people on the field – and pretty much all of us watching the game. So there, there's a reason guys are special teams aces and that uh, that they get play as such. There's a reason that Zane Anderson got the call up this week. <laughs> and, you know, there's yeah. there's a reason that, you know, that is an important phase of the game. So, yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm willing to cut him with some slack based on roster turnover, based on youth. And then uh, yeah. as long as they get this returner situation figured out, it looks like, Knock on wood that uh, Harrison Butker's getting it figured out. He was yeah. perfect again this week, so that's two weeks in a row. Uh, and to, to quote a great sports movie, that my friends is a winning streak. <laughs> it is. Oh no, he, he's put he's 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 had a few good games, and I'm knocking on wood as I say it. So don't worry, don't worry, people. But no, I, I agree with your overall points, though. I you know, and Tobe should get some credit for making guys like Lamonts, you know, helping them become aces by probably getting in their ear and teaching them those kind of tricks of the trade. You know, I don't think Lamont just, you know, learns that on his own, but 
we do have some news to get to stags and actually I'm, I'm throwing some breaking news that you don't even unless you've seen it on twitter we got a new we got another patrick mahomes in the world now patrick mahomes' son was born apparently just a few minutes ago patrick bronze levon mahomes the third what a name what a name wow <laughs> pm3 pm3 is coming just wait for 20 years see you know he, he's gonna be the 2043 quarterback prospect uh yeah no that's hey congratulations to the mahomes family that's uh that's great news and it's uh good timing he was able to do it in between games and didn't have to miss uh, didn't, <laughs> <laughs> didn't right. have to miss the game you know that, oh, that's that's fantastic and you know um there's times when when things are bigger than football, and and obviously he's he's building a family and and putting down roots in Kansas City and doing everything the right way. So you got to feel good about uh, the Mahomes family growing by one more this week. Absolutely, and and I was curious if he was going to go with another Patrick. So it's cool to see that he's carrying on the name as a, a former or a a fellow junior myself. Got to see if I'll, I'll carry on the name too, but. Uh, we got other, we got, we got, uh, you know, less important, you know, less important news, I guess, but still, still some relevant news here. We got some practice squad signing stags. We got some new yeah, guys you know, on the Chiefs practice squad, kind of, and kind of two notable names too. Kind of interesting all of a sudden getting these, get these nuggets on Monday afternoon when you didn't expect uh, anything to happen. Um, yeah, two, two kind of names that, that pop out at you. Yeah. Since the expansion of the practice squad rules allowing veteran players to be signed to practice squads, it's really opened up the opportunity for guys yeah. like these two players, the Chiefs just signed, to get another chance with an NFL team uh, in the middle of a season. It gives the team an opportunity to get a good look at them and to get them geared up without using up that, that roster spot that's so valuable. And so I think it's it's pretty cool to see. Uh, so for those of you that haven't seen the news, the, the Chiefs signed uh, two players, Actually, two players recently in the division, uh, Melvin the yeah. third, who's a running back recently with uh, Denver, who was previously with San Diego before that, uh, back when the Chargers were in San Diego, and then mm-hmm. Brian Edwards recently of the Raiders, uh, cut by uh, Atlanta, uh, is is been signed uh, as a wide receiver. So two players that have uh, they have seasons on their you know on the record, you know stats under their belt they've shown the ability to play in this league and now they're going to have a spot on the chiefs practice squad. And we'll see if the chiefs have an opportunity uh, or a need to call either one of them or both of them up this year. Uh, thoughts first on Gordon. Cause I think he's the more controversial of the two. Yeah. I, I that's a good word for it because you know, I, I, some people when Gordon was first released kind of maybe mentioned that they'd be interested. You know, I got to shout out, you know, an Arrowhead pride writer, price Carter, he, he mentioned that, you know, the Chiefs had shown interest in the past, which, you know, I, I can't, you know, I, I never found concrete evidence, but I do feel like I remember that maybe being a thing when he was a free agent after LA that we were maybe interested in, in bringing him in. And so maybe there was some kind of interest there already. And obviously there, you know, it, there, it's proof in the pudding with him being signed here. You know, I, I got to imagine Veach had his eye on him for a little bit. And so the controversial thing is, He's a, he's a fumbler, man. This dude fumbles. Uh, he has five fumbles this year, which leads all NFL non-quarterbacks. And no other non-quarterback even has – or only two other guys that are non-quarterbacks even have four this year. And he didn't really play that much for Denver. Um, you may have his stats in front of you. Uh, um, but Yeah, he played. Uh, he's played in all ten games for, for Denver this year. 
um, but hasn't uh, hasn't had a ton of attempts. He's had 90 rushing attempts for 300 yards, uh, mm-hmm. 25 uh, receptions for another 200 yards. So I mean, he's been involved, uh, yeah. but uh, you know there there were some things that I think happened with uh, just sort of locker room type stuff uh, that sound like that happened with uh, with Russell Wilson and uh, and Gordon. There was, it seemed like there were some rumors about um, the the way Gordon handled a, a, a loss or something like that. Does that sound familiar? I'm I'm not sure honestly, but I I can't blame anyone for how they handled that situation because it is a <laughs> trash fire over there in Denver. My God. So yeah, he, he's a guy that is the, the fumbles are the are the big story with him, obviously. Um, but there was some. Uh, you know, this is a guy that's that's been a, a force in the passing game. He's been a yeah. solid receiver, a solid pass protector. Uh, he, he's had a long NFL career. He's coming up on age thirty, which is you know one of those things that uh, you know running backs tend to hit the wall there. But it doesn't seem like uh, it doesn't seem like it was a he hit the wall sort of thing. I think this was one of those deals where he had a rough time uh, in in Denver uh, with coach and, and quarterback. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you, actually. If you look at his just individual play, you know, this year or even last year, I mean, he looked, he looks pretty good just touting the rock, you know, just running around, you know, running through tackles. You know, he's a bigger body, and I think in, in kind of a long stride, and, and, and I do think sometimes – you kind of just see that, and a lot of people assume, okay, he's an in, you know, in between the tackles runner. They brought him in here to be another guy that can, you know, carry the rock a lot. You know, be a a ground and pound guy, and and that's where I, I do think I, I I don't think that was the main reason they brought him in. I think you mentioned the pass, you know, his work in the pass game. If you look at his career, he's he's a very consistent receiver. You know, puts up you know consistent stats in the in the pass game. He's an experienced pass blocker. He's an experienced receiver. And, you know, right now the Chiefs only really have that that experienced, reliable pass down back in Jarek McKinnon. You know, I think Clyde, they could trust to an extent in those situations. And, and you know, maybe second field to McKinnon, but st- definitely c- could still trust him. Well, now he's not here right now. And and so I think if something were to happen to McKinnon, yeah, you, you'd like to just say, hey, you know, Pacheco, step up. You can do it. And I think he could do it to an extent, but I, I think Andy and, and everyone kind of likes having a vet maybe in that spot too. And again, you know, I, I think that's maybe where Gordon is maybe even, you know, it's probably his biggest strength right now as, as a player because of how much he fumbles is just being a, a reliable sound pass protector and maybe catching a pass out of the backfield and then, and, 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 you know, and, and gaining a few yards on it. So, yeah, he, he yeah. feels a lot like Ronald Jones to me and not in the fact that they play the same position, but uh, mm-hmm. it's sort of the same sort of reclamation project. Mm-hmm. But but also a veteran that that does a couple things well, and you just have to feature that and and work around what they don't do well. There have been NFL running backs who have struggled with fumbles and have turned it around. Adrian Peterson mm-hmm. was known as a fumbler, uh, going back to Tiki Barber, known as a mm-hmm. fumbler that that towards the end of his career somehow figured it out. Jamal Charles was known as a fumbler early in his career and and seemed to to get that worked out. So you know there's. Not to say that it's likely that a guy who's almost 30 years old is all of a sudden going to fix that problem, but uh, can they work around it? Can it be something that they they coach him up and and uh, you know he starts looking like remember on the the breakaway run that Clyde had this year where he had both yeah. arms wrapped around it in, in the open field with nobody near him? 
Um, maybe that's uh, uh, maybe that's what they teach Gordon to do this year. Right then, let's preview Chiefs at the Bengals. Um, a lot of people are billing this as a, obviously a rematch of the championship game, where obviously the Chiefs didn't play the best football and. Bengals fans have kind of got a little bit on their high horse since because, you know, they're calling it 0-2 or, you know, Mahomes is 0-2 now against Joe Burrow and that Joe Burrow is his kryptonite and that all Chiefs fans are literally waiting for this game. Now, I can honestly say I never even give this game a thought, right? Before Until Sunday. And, oh, yeah, this game coming up, I had hadn't given it a thought. Until I heard that Jamar Chase and Joe Mixon are coming back. Yeah. And I was thinking, do you know what? Yeah, they're treating this now as though they're going to try and get in the Chiefs' heads a little bit more, weren't they, with uh, with, with bringing those kind of players back? Yeah, this is a funny one. I'm, I'm trying to work out who it, it matters more to. Like, the Bengals need this win because they want to win their division. Yeah. And although the Ravens lost last week and it seems you can't trust them, they still have quite an easy schedule, the Ravens. Um coming up. So you think that they're going to carry on pile and win. So the Bengals do need to kind of beat us. But at the same time, we need to win this game as well because we want to keep control of the AFC um, number one seed and uh, losing Sunday, we would probably lose that back to the Bills. I think it'll actually damage Mahomes' MVP as well if he loses. If he loses to... Yeah, I can see that. With that one, I feel like they're looking for any excuse to take it away from Mahomes. Yeah, yeah. Um, like Mahomes is clearly the front runner with the bookies, but then Jalen Hurts has a performance, and like, oh, Jalen Hurts should be the MVP. Like, <laughs> that's just the way it works. People want to keep the conversation going. So obviously, if they lose to Joe Burrow on Sunday, then Joe Burrow will suddenly be in the MVP conversation. It's just, it's just the way things work. But yeah, I, this game, I'm with you. Like, I didn't look at this stretch of the season, the Chargers, Rams, Bengals, and think, ah, oh, there's where the season's going to be decided. Yeah. Like we were so fixated on the first eight games of the season mm. when we when we saw the schedule come out and we're like, oh, look at the start of the season. Oh, it's historically the toughest start in NFL history for any team based on win losses from the previous year. So we were so fixated on that that we didn't actually give this little stretch, this mini stretch of the Chargers away, the Rams at home, the Bengals away, any attention. And I think part of it is the first eight game stretch, but also part of it is is like although the Chiefs lost to the Bengals twice last year, mm. I still feel like we don't respect them. And I'll agree with you there. Yeah. And it's not that. just me. I think it's a general thing about Chiefs fans. I don't feel like they respect the Bengals. I feel like a lot of people see what the Bengals did at Arrowhead in the AFC Championship game and just go, it wasn't you. It was me. We were the, <laughs> like, the reason why we lost was because we lost, not because you beat us. Yeah. Like the Chiefs fell apart in the second half. Of the, and I, I suppose a lot of people think actually any team could have come back and beat the Chiefs with how badly they were in the AFC Championship game last year. Mm. So they kind of look at the Bengals and go, it's not like losing, I don't know, to Tom Brady in the Patriots or Tom Brady in the Bucks, where you're thinking, right, that, look, that's who you're losing to. You're losing to. Yeah a GOAT quarterback against this really good team against this loaded roster. You don't, I don't think people see the Bengals in that same respect. Now they probably deserve such respect because they're having a hell of a season and they've had a tough ride with injuries as well. And they obviously they made, they had a Super Bowl run last year, but because we as Chiefs fans are so used to us being the big daddy of the AFC, which we still are, 
maybe we see this Bengals team as a potential threat to it. So we just try and like call it off a little bit, like like just put them down wherever possible. Yeah. So then maybe that was the reason why when we looking in the off season at this stretch of games, we didn't really give it a second thought because they're, oh, it's just the Bengals. We'll beat the Bengals. It doesn't matter what happened last year. We, we, we're going to beat them. When, when, it come, when it comes to actual game week, we're looking at it and thinking, actually, this is an absolute monster of a clash that could go anyway. Yeah. I mean, the Bengals aren't the same Bengals like they were three or four years ago where they were almost like whipping Oh, absolutely not. It, They're completely it's definitely different not that. Um, And there has to be some respect of the fact that, yeah, okay, Joe Burrow, yeah, he might. it might be because he's got the weapons. I mean, Jamar Chase is a phenomenal player. I mean, that, yeah. there's no doubt in that at all. He's, he's one of the top wide receivers in the league. But um, a lot of it, you're right, you're quite right. They've had a lot of injuries this year as well. But they've also had a, a pretty decent strength of schedule. Um, to be fair, I mean, yeah. they have beaten the Dolphins, though, which are seem to be on the rise all of a sudden. But they, mm-hmm. so th- that's a notable notable win that they've had. Um, you know, the, the but Dolphins, that was a two-less Dolphins, wasn't it? That was a two-less Dolphins, okay. but still, the Dolphins are still like the likes of Tyreek Hill there, and and obviously yeah. Jalen Waddle. Um, but you know, you've still got to beat the team that's in front of you, and 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 I suppose yeah. that that's. Even if you're looking at strength of schedule, you still have to do that, don't you? You still have to be. Yeah, yeah. and they've done it very well in recent weeks. They've been without Jamar, they've been without Joe Mixon, and they're they're winning games. Like they rode their luck a little bit on Sunday. It looked like the Titans were going to get an opportunity to go and at least tie the game and take it to overtime. But the Titans managed to balls up, they're trying to block the uh, field goal and gave away a penalty that enabled the Bengals just to kneel out the rest of the game. Mm. So they were a bit fortuitous in that fortuitous with that and they were a bit fortuitous with what happened in the playoffs last year mm. but it, it doesn't mean they haven't got big time players they absolutely have Jamar Chase oh, yeah. is a star wide receiver he's supporting cast T Higgins Tyler Boyd as good a supporting cast of receivers in the NFL that they are phenomenal yeah the Bengals defense they just have contributors over there like, there's no superstars like you could argue Jesse Bates is a superstar probably yeah yeah uh, but there's just contributors everywhere the likes of Trey Hendrickson joined from the Saints a couple of years ago, people thought, oh, is it a good signing? Turned out to be a great signing for them. Uh, you've got other players in there, Sam Hubbard, good player, Eli Apple, Tyreek Hill's nemesis. They they have they have enough players they have enough players on that team that they can complement the big play offense of the Bengals. Now I do think the Bengals are right up there as well. Hmm. Not they're not I, for me they're not on the Chiefs Bills level they're not I think the Chiefs and Bills are a level ab- a level above hmm. but the Bengals all of a sudden have just crept into that tier below the likes with the Dolphins and the Ravens and probably that's about it to be honest the yeah. Dolphins Bengals and Ravens they're in that tier below and they will be a team that you absolutely do not want to face in the playoffs I'm, I'm starting to see a trend here there's quite a few teams I don't want to play, face in the playoffs yeah. can we just play the Bits, Pittsburgh Steelers with Ben Big Ben at quarterback every, <laughs> yeah, what, every wild card or every yeah can every, we just play them yeah. But, um, yeah the Bengals they're just they're just a solid team with a big play offence and the Chiefs typically struggle against solid teams with a big play offence they struggled with the Bengals twice there's some stats going around about Patrick Mahomes and how like he's won X amount of games with with such a lead and the other two two of the four games he lost two of them against Joe Burrow obviously he's 0-2 against Joe Burrow he's lost twice in like the space of five weeks against Joe Burrow last year that's not to say Joe Burrow is a better quarterback I just think probably Joe Burrow played better in those two games than Patrick Mahomes yeah. did what happens this Sunday I'm not too sure I, I, I think it's a revenge game for the Chiefs I'd be interested to know if they actually see it as a revenge game or not though I think Mahomes' competitiveness will want to get one over on Joe Burrow. Yeah. I, th- I think that's going to be clear in this game. Um, the, the the one thing that I want to note is that 
the Chiefs defense is a lot different to what it was last year. Um and yeah. you know, I, I think I think the corners we've got there now will be uh, they'll have a game. I think they'll 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 be up against it, especially with the you know, like we said, with the the offense that they've got. But I think they can handle it. I think they've got the confidence now with the with the, the you know the first twelve weeks under the belt. I think they've got the confidence to do it. Um, and I just think that the Chiefs, the Chiefs' offense that now that's that's the thing that kind of bothers me a little bit. And especially from the last game, what we saw, the Chiefs. It's crazy to say the Chiefs' offense bothers me, but it it can be hit and miss sometimes, or it can be a bit lackadaisical at times, where mm. you expect them to really kind of blow out a team, but you always have a team hanging around because the Chiefs just really can't quite finish them off sometimes. And they can't afford to do that against the Bengals. They can't do that. That's exactly it. And um, I think that the Chiefs' defence will keep the offence in it again, as they always have done this year. But the Chiefs' offence really need to be firing on all cylinders again. And and I think I think the Bengals, they honed in quite a lot on the two main targets we had last year. Now they've got 10 targets to look out for. Um, yeah, and I think that's going to mess with them a little bit more. So I, I'm I'm confident that the Chiefs can actually you know make it work this time. I still think it's going to be a close game though. Yeah, like the, the Bengals, like the first two halves of those, well, the first halves of those two games last year, the one in Cincy and obviously the AFC Championship game, the Chiefs moved the ball at will. Yeah, they did. Like it was easy for them, and. For whatever reason, the Chiefs just didn't adjust to the Bengals' adjustments. And the Bengals' adjustments in the second half of the AFC Championship game weren't crazy. They just rushed free, spied, spied Mahomes, mm-hmm. and dropped seven into coverage. It wasn't exactly outworldly. We've seen teams do that all the time to the Chiefs. But for whatever reason, that day in Arrowhead, in the second half, the Chiefs just couldn't work out. And Mahomes, Tariq Hill, all these players decided to have a bad game at the same time. That's not going to happen again. Mm. Because the difference with this Chiefs team is now that if one receiver is having a bad game, you just go to another one. It's, yeah. it's simple as that. You don't stick with the same person. You don't keep force feeding the same person. And that, I'm not putting that game, by the way, entirely on Tariq Hill. He oh, had God, a bad no. game. No, no, no. Patrick Mahomes probably had a worse second half, to be honest. Yeah. But what I'm interested to see, especially on the defensive side of the ball, is will they finally get after Joe Burrow? Because they just mm. didn't last year. Like last year, everyone was beating up on Joe Burrow. He was more sacked, wasn't he, going into everyone the Everyone uh, was. And yet yeah. we didn't. We just didn't beat up on him for whatever reason. Our defensive line just couldn't get hold of him. They sacked him a couple of times, but not enough to knock him out of rhythm. Mm. rhythm. And the one time they did get him out of rhythm, what was it, a fourth and 28? And we 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 blitzed, we blitzed, didn't we? And yeah, left yeah. Jamar Chase one-on-one versus Charverius Ward. Like, that's the type of stuff that can't happen this time around like you need to coach you need to coach a clean game and you need to get pressure against Joe Burrow because if you're not going to coach a clean game in the secondary and you're not going to get any pressure on Joe Burrow then he's just going to stand there and go I've got all day I'll wait for one of my all-star type receivers T Higgins or Tyler Boyd or Jamar Chase or Joe Mixon out the backfield one of these superstars to get open Mm. and if that does happen it's going to be the longest day for the Chiefs defence well it might not be a long day to be honest because they might just score points at will in like five seconds like they did last year against us like it's just going to be such a hard day for the Chiefs defence and if they do put the offence in a hole I do worry if we can go toe-to-toe with an offence like that. That sounds like, I shouldn't be saying stuff like this. Every time I I say stuff like this, it comes back to bite me on the arse. It does, doesn't it? Yeah, like, (laughs) no, I'm not going to carry on that sentence. Like, I'm I'm not, I'm not doing it. I'm not 
being reactionary. The problem with the NFL, right, and this is a problem I have with the NFL in general, mm. we react too much on what we saw last week. Broncos quarterback Russell Wilson. Let's he ride. was He was supposed to be on the billfold opposite QB1 quarterback Patrick Mahomes for Sunday night football in week 14. That game has since been been flexed out. We heard rumblings of this for a while. Uh, I I obviously am a company man, KSHB 41, the NBC station here in Kansas City. So I was crossing my fingers. I mean, I want the Chiefs on our air. As I'm greedy. You know, I want them to play on 41 every week. But this one, it didn't really – it, it, did it really deserve primetime billing, honestly? No, but <laughs> – Mahomes, but that just shows how bad the Broncos are, right? Because it must, it had to take something so dramatic for them to take off Patrick Mahomes on primetime. And it had to be that the Broncos are the worst offense in the league. They only average 14 points a game. And it's crazy because they have the number one defense in the league. If they were just a competent average, just competent. They would be right there with the Chiefs in the AFC West battle right now because their defense is that good. But their offense on the flip side is just that bad. It's ugly, man. It really is. It's really sad. So the Chiefs moves out of prime time. It is Dolphins Chargers, I believe, in that slot now. So yeah. Mark, Mark Gunnels wins either way. I mean, legitimately, <laughs> Broncos country. Let's hide. Let's hide. <laughs> <laughs> Well, not only is uh, are the Broncos one of Patrick Mahomes' sons, but he also welcomes another son into the world this week. It's Patrick LaVon Bronze Mahomes III coming in at 7 pounds, 8 ounces, announced Monday on social media. Uh, it was cool to see, man. We knew we knew it was going to be uh, – we knew number two was on the way for a while. He and Brittany had been teasing uh, two for a while. I saw some rumblings on the Twitter streets that she was in labor while the Rams game was going on. She had to step on to Twitter to dispel the room. I mean, it was, it was a mess. News travels fast around KC. And then uh, Monday we get the news. Cool to see. Congratulations to Patrick Mahomes and Brittany and uh, the kingdom. It, I wrote today on Arrowhead pride. I don't know when it's going to get published, but you can never have enough Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> and the chiefs add another. Well, yeah, he'll be the next Chiefs quarterback in, in 20 years when Patrick Mahomes <laughs> the second is done calling it uh calling it a quit. So yeah, man, it's good to know that you have your next quarterback in line already. Um, can we talk about your tweet or is that off limits? No, go ahead. I knew you I knew you were gonna bring it up. Lord of mercy. Here we go. What, what ha- okay? I don't know what you said verbatim. I just know you mentioned Lee Summit and independence and in a comparison. <laughs> And I, I was like, that's kind of off, Aaron, because it kind of seems like you were hinting that independence was like this nice place, like Lee Summit is, like the suburbs. Independence is really grimy, actually, Aaron. And when I saw that tweet, that confirmed to me. And I was going to quote tweet it, but you know what? I'm a good friend. I'm not like you. You quote tweet me to bring the people at me. I could have done that so easily and had you ratioed, but I literally said to myself, you know what? He's already getting it bad enough. I'm not going to add to it. But that tweet right there showed me and proved that why you can never say you're a kid from Kansas City because you were so off base with that, man. It was funny. I had people texting me about it like, what is Aaron talking about? (laughs) 
I should have said Raytown. And I meant no offense to anyone. It was a, it was a bad joke. I, I, I shouldn't have got it off. Everybody was like, "Why wow, you're hating on bronze already. Uh, I, I love bronze. I thought it was hilarious. It brings me back to my umpiring days. I was a, a youth baseball umpire in college. I didn't know that about you. That's okay. Yeah, I was a youth ba- in Columbia, Missouri area. So we'd have a bunch of like travel teams come by, come down from, from you know, KC area or whatever. All their walk-up songs were, you know, uh, KC Mo Anthem or something Tech Nine related. And their names were all something similar to the to Patrick Mahomes third. It was a bunch of Turners, Tuckers. Uh, Brady's and bronzes. So you know, I I fired off the tweet and it, it didn't land as as eloquently as I thought it I thought it would have. But uh, you know, shoot or shoot, I got back right back up there, fired up a couple more and kept got back on D. Yeah, it's all good, man. You know, players mess up sometimes. It's all good. That's like my one bad tweet to your thirty for this season, I guess. Oh, stop that! Don't, don't <laughs> let me dig up some tweets now. I'll find something. <laughs> Let's get to our game preview, man. Stop it. Stop it. You can't do this. You can't escape. You can't make these plays. You can't make these throws. Come on, give us a sneak preview. Chiefs preview. Salute our guy Kramer Sandstone. Stepping in. Serta's on the IR temporarily, so Kramer steps right in. No problem. Appreciate y'all. Rocking with us, Chiefs Coast to Coast. We're previewing Chiefs Bengals. It's the nine and two Chiefs facing like off against the seven and four Bengals. Three twenty five kick. I even got the weather in here, man. Mostly cloudy. High of forty two with a low of twenty seven. Chiefs are favored by two and a half, and it's two teams on winning streaks. Mark Gunnels. Cincinnati's won their last three in a row, and Kansas City have won their last five in a row. One last thing before I toss it over to you, and we got a couple sound bites in here too. But I think it's interesting. You are you always talk about the Chiefs being the perfect elixir for players who are on the training table. You know, Mr. Miyagi, he goes over into his in his his suitcase. There's band-aids and you know, little gauze and a little neosporin. And then he's got a little a, a little Kansas City Chiefs. He pulls it out, he pulls it out of the briefcase. Rubs his hands together like this. He puts it on Joe Mixon. He puts it on Jamar Chase. And then all of a sudden, oh, my goodness, they're slated to return. It's crazy how that works. Both of them look like they'll come back and play for this one. A lot of layers to peel back from this onion. But when you see this one on the calendar, especially this Sunday, uh, what are are your early reactions, Mark Gunnels? Yeah, so obviously in this matchup, well, I'm not going to say obviously because people may not know I feel this way. But I have a lot more respect for the Bengals than I did last year. Wow. Um, there's going to be no bet the house. I'm just a little uh, sneak peek there before we get into the gambling part of this show. No bet the house bets. But uh, yeah, be, with that being said, the Bengals are a really good. Ba- I said basketball. Oh my gosh. Well, they kind of play like basketball because Joe Burrow throws up these jump balls and Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boy. They go up and snatch them, man. They're the best receiving core in the league. So obviously it's going to be the toughest challenge for this young DB room, obviously, you know, with Trent McDuffie, Jalen Watson, and Joshua Williams. It's going to be a tall task going against these guys for sure because they are not scared, especially when they see one-on-one coverage. Joe Burrow has a lot of trust in his guys that they're going to come down with the ball if he just gives them an opportunity. So I'm really curious to see that. I'm curious to see how much Spags plays guys on islands. I'm hoping he doesn't. 
as a chief supporter, but we know Spag sometimes can get a little arrogant and bring the house, play cover zero, leave his guys on the island like we saw before halftime against Buffalo, right? When you had, well, I think it was Gabe Davis or Stefan Diggs got that touchdown right before half. When you could have just played soft coverage and just played to the field goal. But no, he got greedy, wanted to get a sack, push him out of field goal range, and it burnt you. I don't think you should do that in this matchup, especially when you have three legit receivers who could be ones and twos on pretty much every single team in the league. So curious to see that. And also, going back to the playoff game, I know Chris Jones has been itching at the bit all summer because he had those missed sacks on Joe Burrow. He already has as many sacks as he did all of last season. He's been a guy playing on a mission. I think he should be in DPOY consideration. I got him third right now behind Micah Parsons and Matthew Judon, but he should definitely be in the conversation. But bringing Joe Burrow down in this game will be crucial. You know, making them punt the ball, getting off the field on third and long. Those are going to be the key things. And obviously, red zone efficiency. You can't kick field goals against this Bengals team. Going to have to punch it in and get six. Kendall Turner's rocking with us on YouTube. They say, yo, we about to beat them like they stole something. They couldn't win a Super Bowl. And Burrow showed up in that coat like he was going to win a Super Bowl and lost. They too cocky. 45 to 24 Chiefs. I say Pacheco's getting 150 yards, two touchdowns on the ground. Wow. 80 yards receiving and a touchdown wow. through the air. I thought My you were a Chiefs God. fan. Kendall Turner is a really big Chiefs fan. <laughs> I do want to focus a little bit more on last year before previewing this year's game because you touched on it in the opening. You said, I got more respect for this Bengals team this time around. They got two guys on the outside who could be number one wide receivers on any team. Joe Burrow is a top-tier quarterback, which he's kind of shown us this year after a sloppy start to the season in week one. Um, and I wonder if the motivational impact gets you through all four quarters. To me, the motivational impact, you know, that <clears throat> that's something that works in an off-season workout. That's something that works when, you know, you're in pregame warm-ups or maybe the first quarter, first drive type thing. Uh, but when you have a team as talented as the Cincinnati Bengals is, you're going to need to execute. Uh, the, it, it comes down to execution. Um, and point blank, Kansas City didn't execute in the second half last year. They were the better team through three quarters um, and, and still ended up losing the game somehow. The players touched on this today, the motivation, the motivational impact of the game. Let's start with Andy Reid's bite because he kind of sums up the mood of the locker room. He was asked, hey, how often do you all look at this game? And when you do look at this game, what do you think about it? Or what are some of the long-term lessons you take home? I, I missed a sack. Um, uh, Bolton said he had three inter two interceptions that he dropped. Um, I, I look in the mirror and I go, uh, there's some calls I would have liked to have had back. Right? I mean, so everybody has that. As long as they're willing to admit it, you have a chance to get better. And that's kind of the thing you try to do. Thought it was open and honest from, from Big Red right there. He feels like he could have done better. Patrick Mahomes could feels like he could have done something better. Chris Jones missed the sacks. He feel like he could have done something better. Ultimately, it, this is emblematic of Kansas City's culture. There's no finger pointing. There's no nothing. Nobody played their best in that second half. And though they were the superior team, as we've said, right after that game immediately on this platform, and we're saying again before they match up here again in week 13, that they're the better team this time. Um, 
not always the best team wins. All it takes is, is a collection of mistakes and it seems like they're pooling together on, hey, we're going to use that as motivation to, to execute better. All right, we do this every week when the Chiefs get the ball. And what's I, I thought to you, I'm going to lob this one to you. I'm great, great, great lob. I mean, Chris Paul, like I'm Lob City. Um, what, what, like, what's your biggest question in this game? Like, what's your biggest question or concern in this game for the Chiefs offense? My biggest question is, did the offseason work? Because mm-hmm. last year, the Bengals did stuff in the second half that frustrated the hell out of the Chiefs. They put a robber, that safety, they brought him down. We know what the Chiefs' classic plays were with Tyreek Hill, right? It was that that deep over route that they would just hit consistently to him. And then they'd have everybody else running like some kind of post or slant. Like they, they had a bunch of stuff going on, but the big th- things that they had, they had Kelsey underneath, they had the deep over to, uh, to Hill. Those were the two main things that they were going to go for. The Bengals found a way to be able to cover that in the second half that just frustrated them to no end. And it, the offense devolved into an overtime. We all remember this, right? Like it was Demarcus Robinson getting targets. It was like the number five and six receivers. And the Chiefs decide in the offseason when Tyreek Hill is asking for all of the money, you know what? Makes more sense for us to disperse this elsewhere to get a deeper wide receiver course. That way, when we get into a situation like that, instead of throwing to Demarcus Robinson, now they're throwing to Juju and MVS and Kadarius Tony and Sky Moore and Justin Watson, and you've got options that you feel comfortable with going into a big game. And so my big question is, like, did it work? Because they didn't do that for the Bills. The Bills didn't frustrate them like that offensively. They did it for the Bengals. This was the defense that all of that was about. So I, I want to find out if it worked. I want to see what that looks like against the Cincinnati Bengals. See, I I think that's a part of it in that second half, but I think also a major part of it was starting with about, oh, I don't know, 10, 12 seconds left in the second quarter. Like Patrick Mahomes played some of his worst football in his professional career. In that game, in the AFC Championship game, starting off with him calling timeouts that they didn't have, and throwing the ball into the flat, you know, in, in, in a space where they lost points, which uh, which obviously came back to haunt them. Yep. Uh, and and from there on out, he was not patient. He struggled mightily uh, in that second half. Turned the ball over. Uh, didn't see it. Didn't didn't go to the right to the right uh, to the right receivers. Missed things. Missed throws. Easy throws. And see, that's where I come back to it. Like, you want to see if the offseason worked. I am going to sit back and someone who is uh, gotten a little bit more healthy, I'm going to sit back with my bag of protein chips <laughs> or skinny pop, but probably protein chips. And I cannot wait to see if we have. Shout out to Therese Paler, the late Therese Paler, another one of those over my dead body ball games from Patrick Mahomes. I think Patrick Mahomes is highly motivated. Dare I say ticked off a bit because one, he remembers why this team didn't go to the Super Bowl. I said it. We said it. We're going to be honest. 
this was that was the first time to me in a game, hell in a game, not even just a game of importance, but in a game that I would say Patrick Mahomes feels like he was the top reason why this team couldn't win the game. They tried to depend on him in the second half, and he made countless mistakes, and starting even at the end of the second quarter. I think he remembers that. I think he knows that. And then what happened off of that is people have tried to slide Joe Burrow in his level, and Joe is not. And and Patrick knows Joe isn't. And when Patrick is ticked off and highly motivated, that's a fun watch. And he is ticked off. He didn't lost this team twice. And now he is the only person. Now, as, as you said, BK earlier, it's 2-0. That's that's beaten Mahomes multiple times mm. while not getting beat. Woo-wee. I feel like we're going to see the Mahomes that counts things on his hands. One, two, three. You know, he gets I mean, he gets ticked off by small things like like the, the NFL top 100. He gets ticked off by silly stuff. My man right now, he's been sitting and steaming with this one. And I bet you he cannot wait. So I think this is going to be fun. Fun. Yes, they've changed this offense around, and they've put been able to try to solve what the Bengals did to them. But really, what what is the MVP of the league right now going to do moving forward? And I cannot wait at three twenty five. Whenever the hell that game starts, Patrick Mahomes is ticked off, motivated, and ready to show that Joseph Burrow, a very nice person. A Macaulay Culkin lookalike, a very stylish young man. I love his swag. Ain't on the same level as him. Just like he repeatedly makes it his mission to let everyone know that Justin Herbert is not on his level anytime they play. I think he will do that to Joe again. So it's interesting you mentioned that because I I saw earlier this week Nate Tice, Mike, Mike Tice's Tice. son. He was quoted on Twitter. He was talking about Patrick Mahomes. He was putting up a bunch of click or clips, and somebody asked, and they're like, "Is it, is this the best you've seen Patrick Mahomes play? Is this the best that we've seen him so far in his NFL career?" And Nate Tice's response was not yes, which would have been a fair response. It was, "This is the best that I've ever seen any blood anybody play the quarterback position in my life." Like, oh my, nobody has ever played it better, according to Nate Tice, who previously worked with an NFL team. His father was the head coach for the Minnesota Vikings. Like, this is a guy that has seen a good amount of football. So, Patrick Mahomes playing at a pretty high level right now. And you're about to get a highly motivated Patrick Mahomes on the road against a team that a lot of people are going to be. I think when you watch the Sunday shows this week, Ron. I bet you a fair amount of people are picking the Bengals at home. Yeah, they got his number. It'll be a trendy upset pick. Mahomes knows that. Mahomes knows that there's some John going back and forth this week. Mahomes knows that last year this team had his number. He knows that last year on national television, he looked shook, man. Like we said it after the game, and I think it was true. He was kind of rattled. And it was the first time we've really seen him look like that in a national stage type of a game. So, yeah. You're going in there to Cincinnati and you can kind of prove to them once again that you're the one that's going to be on top. Oh, buddy, that has the potential to be a hell of a lot of fun. The only thing that I wish, the one thing that they are missing, but maybe this just makes it that much sweeter for Mahomes. I wish that they were going to have McColl and 
or Tony, one of those two guys to be able to really see what this offense looks like against them. Yeah. Yeah. They're not on full strength, but yeah, I don't think he really, like he doesn't give a, this bigger than that for him. I don't think he gives a rip. I would say they could, I would say hopefully they do clean up the red zone stuff from last week. That could be something I want to just chalk it up to last week. They were just in some weird game against a team that they never felt threatened. And I don't think they're, they were on high alert of focus in that game, especially in the second half, but they were pathetic when it came to the red zone. And this is a game where they cannot do that, right? They, they, they've got to score points and score touchdowns and not have turnovers in the red zone like Pat did on that interception because I just think he got he, – he, like I don't think that was a high level of focus. I don't think he'll make throws like that. So the, the red zone is the only thing that you, you hope is, is cleaned up and it's not a trend. It's not a deal of, oh, you could start stopping the Chiefs in the red zone. I don't think that is the case. But you hope they perform better at that. But I'm telling you, BK, I, can, I cannot wait to see what this nut is going to do to the Cincinnati Bengals next week. Oh, my see, God, you're right. You're right. They were going to hear these shows. Oh, uh, oh, they got him, man. Lou, 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 no DC has been able to stop him like this. What? Oh, my God. And that's just going to tick him off. Oh, yeah. You know that's getting back to him. Like, somebody's sending that stuff to him. There's no doubt about it. That stuff. He's doing it himself. Maybe. He's hunting it now Maybe. himself. And if he's not, I bet you his, his trainer, Bobby Stroop, he, we know we know he's online. He'll be sending it to yeah. him. He's he's up. He's up right now, probably, with that new baby, Patrick Mahomes III. He's probably bronze, up right now. Bronze. Bronze. Patrick Mahomes III is what I'm calling it, kid. That's what it said. Sterling um, bronze, don't they? Is, isn't steel? Isn't their dog named Steel? Is that? Oh my! God. They got a precious metals thing going on over uh, there. That's an odd thing here. But I bet you he's up just watching stuff, just watching stuff, just watching stuff late night with, while while he, he's up and, and got late night duty, just watching stuff. So wait, I can't wait to see it. Well, it's gonna be beautiful. So Ron, you mentioned the red zone, and I, that is one thing that I'm really, I'll be having, I'll, I'll have my eye on. You mentioned in the beginning of this, what's what's going to be the, the thing that we see in the regular season that portends playoff failure? One thing that could be it. Now, I don't think it will be, but if the injuries to Tony and McColl are worse than we think, and they end up being a little more long-term than we're anticipating right now, I do want to see what their red zone packages look like without them. Because last week it wasn't good. And I'll chalk that up to, ah, they're not going to show anything against the Rams. Why would they? they? They knew they needed to score like 13 points to win that game. So just getting into the red zone a few times, getting the PAT or getting the field goal unit out there, that was going to be enough for them to be able to win. But you can't do that against Cincinnati. So you got to show some of your stuff in this game. And if it doesn't work, then I will be on high alert to see, okay, maybe that's something worth keeping an eye on going into the playoff. The other issue is, Finishing drives, finishing the game, that's something that the word finish has to be the theme against the Bengals. Last year, the Chiefs, in their first half drives against the Bengals in the two games, scored seven touchdowns on 10 drives. Awesome. Outstanding. That's as good as it gets right there. That's a clinic. They scored zero on their 10 second half drives. That is something that cannot happen against this team because Joe Burrow will take advantage of the slightest window that you give him. If you make him feel like he's still in the game, 
the Bengals will never feel like they are out of this one. So you, you got to put them away. And that requires in the red zone, finishing your drives and in the second half, finishing out that game. If they're, if they're fighting it with the red zone uh, this week, which I don't think they've had problems with this year, but if they're fighting it in the red zone, then that, uh, that is a question. That is going to be a question coming out where you're like, okay, we're on alert. This is a game that really mattered and they got stopped. And that's what held them. They're kicking field goals or turning it over instead of scoring a touchdown. 